Hi, this is Annalise Lapata, the Assistant Worship Leader of New Life Church. We hope this message propels you to know God more deeply and encourages you to be the hands and feet of Jesus wherever you go. Enjoy the message. Well, we have reached the end of our first series in our Good Questions theme for the year. This is our last week in What Makes Us Human. Okay, and this has been a, an interesting look from a biblical standpoint. I've kind of really enjoyed studying through this, trying to get some, uh, some nuggets of truth that I feel can really impact your life. And I think today's topic, today's title is, uh, is very pertinent to the t- time we live in, and it's how should we see ourselves? Last week we talked about how does God see us? And, and today, we're, we're going to talk about how do we see ourselves in a culture, in a time where identity is so, I don't know, difficult to pin down, right? We, we have all of these different things that are telling people that their identity is uh, fluid, that it's, uh, you can make up your own identities, that you can be this, be that. Thing. I think a lot of it, we, th- we think about our internet culture. I even saw those, the, the Apple lenses that came out the, the, and the metaverse, all this stuff that's coming out now where like a person would be literally sitting in their house and they could have two, three, four, a hundred different avatars of themselves that look different, uh, talk different, all these different things. We have created these alternative identities and that has filtered into even the physical realm. Um, we, because of the lack of objective truth in our culture, uh, people are trying to redefine, uh, you know, we, we've, we've untethered uh, gender from sexual uh, phys- physicality. And we, we, we get this concept that, like, uh, gender is fluid. Well, it's, it's interesting to think about that because, honestly, it's still binary in the fact that um, we take from femininity and masculinity, what it means to flow. <laughs> so if, if, if we decide that we're not, I'm not gonna be a man anymore, I'm gonna be what? Well, I'm gonna take identity of a female, which is, we have to understand what that is, and all those types of things. So it's very confusing in our culture. And that's all I'm saying. And here, listen to this, listen to me very carefully. I, I love people. I love people. Um, and I feel like what has happened in our culture is that the confusion exists and the frustration exists, and then that's, that's just reality, and that what we have done as a church people is said, oh no, you can't come in here. Where are they gonna learn the truth that will set them free if we bar them at the doors. It's ridiculous. We should be the most compassionate, loving, caring people in all of society. But we're not known for, I'm telling you we're not known for that. We're not known for that. I had a conversation just this last week where, with, with, a, with a person who was advocating for a different lifestyle and was calling me, doesn't know me, doesn't know me at all. He's calling me a hater. I said, you don't even know me. 
I love people. Well, this, that, and the other thing. I said, listen, we're not always going to agree on things. Who, what, what society ever exists where everybody agreed on everything? But shame on me if my disagreements turn into hatred. That's, hmm. So here's the thing. The question is, and I, and I, want, I, don't, I don't want to get sidelined by that concept, but I just think it's important for us to understand that we live in an age, and it's, I'm sure it's been throughout society, but we're living in an age where we have, um, we've kind of moved away from some objective truth and morality, standard morality of the past, and I do believe it's because, a lot of it is because, uh, well, we talked a little bit about this weekend. The family is broken down. Fatherlessness in the home is, is rampant. The churches are excluding people from walking in the doors. I'm not going to do that. But they're also not preaching truth either, the ones who have their doors wide open. So we live in a very confusing time when it comes to how we see ourselves. So how should we see ourselves? The question is, are we, this, are, are we really this malleable? Can we just create ourselves in our own likeness? Is who we are simply a matter of what we choose to be? Sometimes it feels like it. And other times we feel trapped in something that we don't want to be. But those who, have, who accept, the, if we go back to the, the, the last few uh, sermons, those of us who accept the dependence on God, having accepted God's creation as our starting point, discover that our astonishing potential and diversity can only truly flourish within divinely given boundaries and safeguards. So let's recap this series a little bit, okay? What makes us human? We are hybrid creatures, both physical and spiritual. We are, creating be we are created beings. We are dust. But we are dust with a destiny. We, have created, we were created with a function. The purpose of being is to have families, subdue, work, and have dominion over his good creation and continue to create good things. We are created for a purpose, to live in a dependent relationship with our creator. We blew it. God restored it, which brings us to Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer slaves, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The big idea of this sermon is this. We are to see ourselves as glorious reflections 
of the God who so loved the world. Love is the world. Our key text today is going to be Philippians chapter 2. Leave that big idea up there for a second, Pat. Um, key, key verse for the whole sermon today is Philippians chapter, chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 5. And it's, we're just going to take this piece by piece. And verse 5 says this. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So how are we supposed to see ourselves? Well, Philippians says we're supposed to have the mind of Christ. What does it mean to have the same mind as Jesus Christ? This is the moon. It's beautiful. Moon is a beautiful thing. It's the ambient backdrop to many romantic stories and works of art. It has captivated the human imagination down through the millennia. People have worshipped it as a god. People have studied it, fantasized over it, and spent billions of dollars to reach it. And on a clear night, looking up at the moon is mesmerizing. But why? Go ahead, Pat, put the next one up. It is literally a dead wasteland of rock and dust that is incapable of supporting life. Whoa, Pastor, you just took the romance right out of it. <laughs> it has no properties in and of itself that radiate beauty. The patterns we that I see etched on the face are a result of the abuse it has taken from countless meteorite impacts. <laughs> Man, he's ruining my romance. Patterns, by the way, that would be completely hidden to us but for one transformative reality. The moon is brilliant and mesmerizing and romantic and inspiring simply because it reflects the splendor of the sun. Go ahead and put it back. There you go. It reflects the splendor of the sun. All the grandeur that the moon possesses is only visible when in proper orientation to the sun by which it is illuminated. With the sun, the moon's splendor, without the sun, the moon's splendor is absolutely hidden. When reflecting the sun, the moon becomes more than a ball of dust that it is. Sound familiar? Balls of dust? I'm looking at about 140 of them. <laughs> Hebrews 1.3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Colossians 1.15. The sun is the image of the invisible God. John 14.7 and 9. If you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The one who has seen me has seen the father. Do not let anybody tell you 
that Jesus never claimed to be God. I just read you a bunch of passages that. Verse John 1, 18. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who he is himself God, who is, okay, can we just drop it right there? Who is himself God? And is in close relationship with the Father has made him known. And 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. As God is reflected in the face of Jesus, so we can reflect him as well. To have the same mind that is in Christ Jesus is to be a reflection of God. All the beauty that God has baked into you is seen at its most, at the zenith point when we are in proper orientation to the Son of God. The full moon is the most spectacular. Can we all agree, can we all agree with that? Full moon's are spectacular. You ever drive down the road and the full moon's just coming up and it's kind of at the, the low point of the horizon and it looks like it's gonna hit you? It's just huge. It's beautiful. And then as the week and the months go by, it starts to, to crescent and wax and wane, right? Portions of that moon are obscured by barrier, which is us, the, the earth, right? But when it's fully in orientation to the sun, you get to see the whole beauty of it. It's... it's it's an incomplete analogy, but I hope you understand what I'm trying to say here. It's incomplete because the backside's in darkness all the time. <laughs> What's on that backside, by the way? <laughs> Aliens. But what I want you to understand today is you are at your best. You are at the zenith of what God has baked into you and it is beautiful. Now, the moon has beautiful attributes, but it's only illuminated when it's, the sun shines on it. And that's what I'm trying to say about you. God has made you beautiful. God has made you awesome. You have amazing things to offer the world. And, and you can do that, and you, and you can do that without Christ. You can, because can, God has made you awesome. There's, a, there's, there's a, a remnant of God's creative power in every human being, whether they reflect the light of, Christ, of Jesus or not. But I'm saying to you today this. We, we become the zenith of what God has created humanity to be when we're in proper orientation relationship with the God who made us to reflect his glory to the world. Scripture explains how seeking after God has a transforming result, changing those who do it into the image of Christ, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, and we will, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. That's what we're doing this morning, by the way. We're, 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 we're openly out there studying, trying to figure out, and, and expressing the glory of God. Are being transformed into the image with every increasing glory, ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
This is what I believe C.S. Lewis was getting at in his famous statement. Every Christian is to become a little Christ. The whole purpose of becoming a Christian is simply nothing else. Now, people have had a hard time with that statement because it sounds like we're trying to deify human beings, and that's not what he's trying to say. If we're to have the same mind as Christ Jesus, then our, our ultimate purpose is to reflect the glory of God, just as Jesus did. Just as Jesus did. Now, you're not Jesus. I was like, what? I thought I was. You're not. You're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. But the Holy Spirit lives in this. And my job is to have the same mind that is in Christ Jesus. And his motivation, his purpose was to reflect to the world the glory of God. When we have the mind of Christ, we reflect the glory of the Father and become more than balls of dust that we are. We become more. All right, back to Philippians chapter 2. So we're going to continue with this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Now, how are you going to apply this to, I, I'm not equal, no, you're not, neither am I. But I want to, I want to, I want to carve out a little uh, nugget of truth here. Jesus' mind was secure in who he was. He knew who he was. He was in the form of God and didn't consider it robbery from God's glory to be equal with God because he was able to rest in the reality of who he was. We can do this as well. Wouldn't it be a refreshing and empowering thing to be able to rest in the reality of who we are instead of trying to make it up as we go along? Instead of scraping, striving, conniving and manipulating to get others to validate our existence. Wouldn't it be nice just to be able to rest in who we are instead of having to figure out how we can entrap others to validate us? We do that all the time. We're constantly striving, conniving, manipulating to get people to think we're cool to get people to think that we're valuable, to get people to think that we're enough, to get people to think that we are worthy of you fill in the blanks. Wouldn't it be nice to drop that work and that anxiety and just be happy to be who we are? How should we see ourselves? John 1, 12 through 13 says this, But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. I hope you're getting the theme here. And so we are. Romans 8, 16 through 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children also heirs, ooh, let's, let's go here, heirs of God and what? Come on now. That's going a little too far, Bible. Co-heirs with Christ? 
What? You do you, do you, if, we, if we were just to break down the legal jargon here, do you know what that means? That God sees you as, oh, it almost, almost sounds like heresy to say it, but I'm going to say it. Brothers and sisters worthy of the same level of inheritance as Jesus. Whew. Come on now. I'm not making this up. This is like, if I, if I said that and it wasn't in here, burn me at the stake because that's weird. That's weird. We don't think that way. Do you know how valuable that makes you? And here's the thing. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Only Christ deserves it. But because of who Jesus was, he shares it. And we'll get to that in a second. Because he was confident in who he was. He didn't have to grasp that. You know the story, I've been reading through the Old Testament uh, again this year, and the story of uh, Cain and Abel, where Cain killed his brother because he was grasping at what he wanted. And then we have um, Jacob and Esau. I mean, that, that was a weird couple uh, twins there. You got twins, you know. It was weird. I mean, this kid was grasping even before he was out of his mother's womb. He's like pulling him back. And the guy went, ow, because he was really hairy. <laughs> Forever he had just one little patch of hair gone right there. Um, but we're always grasping, and because we're, we are insecure with who we are, we have to do this thing to try to make other people think we're great. Well, I'm here to tell you, stop. You are great. Not in the way we think of it in the world, but you're valuable. Jesus is so confident with who he is, he has no problem spreading that out to you. If you could be confident in who you are in Christ, maybe we could start doing the same and start dropping the game and rest in who we are. If you are in Christ, you are a child of God and a co-heir with Christ. God sees you as children equally deserving of his inheritance as Christ himself. What if we could live in that confidence? What would change? Think about it. What if we could live in that? How would the way we see ourselves transform if we saw ourselves the way God describes us? Not how we feel, not how other people make us feel, but how God says we are. See, that's the, that's the beauty of objective truth. See, feelings are fickle. Feelings, are high, we're high here, and we're low here. We go through this uh, you know, ebb and flow of our own self-confidence and emotional stability. But objective truth says, it's okay. Your feelings are gonna go, and that's part of being human. It's emotional, it's, it's relational. All these things are true. It's sometimes it's giving chemical, and these are true. But that's not who you are. That's how you feel about who you are. Let me tell you who you are. And that's special. That is a relief. What if we could live in the security of our God-given identity? I think it would be transformative. I know it would be for me, and it is for me as I, as I strive to do that. 
No longer would we have to seek the, the approval of the others to gain validation. We could live and move and work and love and be without pressure of having to be impressive in the eyes of the world because we are truly valuable in the eyes of God. If we could live in the security of our identity as Jesus lived in the security of his identity, I think we would find ourselves living more and more like Christ. And now we're gonna transition. So had the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, we, we see that Jesus was confident in his identity, who he was as the son of God. But what did that mindset and that confidence produce in him? Here we go. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Let the mind that is in you, which was, uh, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. We sang about that this morning. That in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and, every, and, uh, and those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't it awesome how God weaves sermons in, in Sunday mornings together? I had no idea Scott was going to sing those songs today. And this was in my notes from Friday. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. He does it all the time. Because Jesus was confident in who he was, he didn't have to prove himself to anyone. He could do the will of the Father without reservation or worry that he might be looked upon as less than. Because he knows he is more than in every possible way. There was no hidden agenda for glory. There was no need to elevate himself in the eyes of man. I, I find it funny when I'm reading through the Gospels. Kenny, where are you? You guys are reading through the Gospel of Matthew. I think it's so interesting that so many times Jesus does these things. He does these amazing things, these miracles, these signs. And like, if it were me, I'm just going to be honest for a second. If it were me, I'd make a logo. I love marketing things. I love uh, graphic artwork. I love, uh, you could probably see it all over the place. I love that stuff. If I were Jesus, I would make a logo and I would put up banners and say, come on. Because that's my human side. But Jesus didn't do it. It was weird. He did actions that were like billboards of his glory. And he said, Shh, don't tell anybody. Why do you think that is? I've come to the conclusion that the reason he did that was because he, wasn't, he was actually doing it to bless that person, not to get the attention of that person. And I'm not even pointing at anybody. Sorry, Mom, it looks like I'm pointing at you, but I'm not, okay? <laughs> he was doing it singularly for that person because he loved that person. He wasn't doing it to impress those people. He was confident in who he was. He knew what his purpose was. And it, what is that purpose? 
John 6, 38 says this. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. What? What does this, what does this mean? It means Jesus said, I will not go. I will not do. I will not act on my own volition. I will do what God tells me to do. Well, that's kind of limiting. That's kind of restrictive. Only if you are, un, are, are uh, insecure about who you are. But if you're secure that you are valuable, that you are heirs of God, you don't have to worry about your own stuff. You are, you are open and able to just function in the role in which God has created you for. John 14, 31, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. That's why we do things. If we're confident enough to live in the reality of who we are, John 5, John 5 30, I could do nothing, this, is, this blows your mind, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If you, basically what this is saying is this, if you want to discern what the right thing to do is, always do what God tells you to do. <laughs> that way you don't have to worry about it. Did I do the right thing? Well, if you did it because you wanted to get somebody to pay attention to you, or if you did it because you wanted validation, or you did it because it was something that you wanted to do, then there's doubt there. I'm not saying it's always going to end up badly, but there's doubt there. But Jesus didn't doubt. Why? Because he didn't have to, because he always did the will. He judged correctly. He did things correctly because he was doing exactly what God told him to do. Well, Pastor, I don't know what, it, what, I don't know what God is saying about which job to take. This will sound like a little bit like heresy too. I don't know that God really cares about the job you take as much as he cares about you being a faithful servant of God wherever you go. Now, he may open up doors. I'm not saying that. He'll open up doors for you. But really, does it matter if you work at this tech company or that tech company? Only if God puts you in that tech company to minister to people that are in that tech company that he sent you to minister to. Otherwise, it's just code, folks. You know what I'm saying? That's, we were talking about this the other day, being in our neighborhoods. Why, what neighborhoods? What house should I, should I buy this house or that house? I don't know. When you get to the house that you, that, that works out for you, minister to the people in that neighborhood. Be reflection of God in that neighborhood. And you know how, you can't go wrong. I think God cares what, where your job is. You, I hope you understand what I'm saying. He will open doors for you. He will guide and direct you. But that's not the most important thing to him is what I'm trying to say. John 5, 19. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does as, as well, likewise. So I'm going to go back to the beginning of that passage. Ready? Have the same mind that is in Christ Jesus, who was so confident in who he was that he could lay down his own ego, lay down his own insecurities, and not that he had any, but we could lay down our own securities that we could fulfill the purposes for which we were created. It's our own stuff that causes that to be hard. When we have the same mind that is in Jesus Christ, 
We are so confident in our identity as children of God that we are freed to live as reflections of Christ and do the very things we were created to do, whatever God and wherever God may lead us. I want to read a large portion of Scripture here. Ephesians 2 states this in such a beautiful way. If you have your Bibles, I would open up to Ephesians chapter 2 or scroll to Ephesians chapter 2. And this is like, this is how we should see ourselves in a beautiful passage of Scripture. I could have, maybe I should have, just stood up here, read this verse, and sent you home. But here's what you go, ready? Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom you all once lived in the passions of your flesh, of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, there's one of those another buts that you need to circle. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even we were, when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you hear that? He seated us in the heavenly places. You know where Jesus is right now? At the right hand of God. He goes, I got a little spot here for you. Co-heir. That's crazy. That'll make your mind. Come on now. So that, verse 7, so that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace have you been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of what you do, not a result of your work, your striving, your conniving, Your value is already set in Christ Jesus. He loves you. And if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised, you're seated in the heaven. Oh my gosh, boom. Come on, folks. This is who we are. Not by what we do, but who we are. So that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. What does that say to me? It says this, you've always retained this value and this purpose. Now, the obstruction is moving away and the light of the sun is shining on you and now you can live in that purpose. When you got saved, you didn't didn't receive a new purpose. You didn't receive value when you got saved. That value always exists. It was, just, it was just hindered by sin, by the enemy. And then when you come to Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you are saved and the light of Christ shines on what was already there. He doesn't make junk. He made you. You're like, yeah, he made, no, you're not junk. You're splendid. You're just hidden in the sin of this world, and when Christ comes on, he's like, man, these works, these good works that I have for you, they're not brand new. They were always hardwired, baked in, and now 
now, because of me, you can do them. You're special. You're unique. You're important. Ladies, hear me. You're beautiful. Men, hear me. Not so beautiful. Come on now. I'm not, if you've been to this church at any period of time, I'm not one of those like uh, self-help people like, oh, you're so good. I'm good enough. I'm strong enough. You know, no, that's not how I am. I want to say, I want, I want, I don't care what I think. I don't care mm, what you think. I care what God thinks. And if he says that you are this, we need to walk in it. We need to live in it. Come on now. I say that a lot today. That's my new thing, apparently. Come on now. Where did that come from? All right, verse 10. For your his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And I love this one. Which God prepared beforehand. He knew you before you were a glint in your parents' eye. He saw you in your mother's womb. He knew you full well. And at that point, he loved you, and he already had plans for you. Good things, good things for you. 2 Corinthians 5, 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, these good works, right? He pleads in Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So now that we live in this reality, we have the ability to do what God has wired us to do to be ambassadors to the good works we're able to do that without because so i'm gonna do i'm gonna let you in on a secret here sometimes those the paths that god leads us down are hard and if we're too caught up in ourselves guess what we're not going to go down those roads because they're not glamorous sometimes they're not glamorous the road to golgotha was not glamorous but it was beautiful. What he did for us that day was beautiful. And he had enough confidence in who he was that it didn't have to be a, a glamorous expression of his glory. He just did what God said. Sometimes God's going to lead you down a path that's not glamorous. But you can do it. Because that's, you're, you're not worried about this. We're worried about this. So back to the, the main questions today. How should we see ourselves? as children of God and co-heirs with Christ. Hard stop. Let, just let that concept sink in. I don't have it on the wall, so I don't know why I pointed there. As children of God and co-heirs with, you are children of God and co-heirs with Christ. Now, we could spend probably months dissecting that concept and meaning what it is, but just let it sink in. Next. We are adopted into the family of God to be a reflection of the Son. S-U-N-S-O-N. Number three. Commissioned to represent the family name as an ambassador of Christ so that many more may come to the Father through Jesus Christ. You are ambassadors for Christ to make the family bigger. Every voice, now listen to this, every voice that speaks a different narrative than that is of the devil. 
who exists to steal your confidence, wound you until you're dead, and destroy the splendor of your testimony that is the reflection of God to the world. I often say, like, why, when people get saved, why doesn't the enemy just leave them alone? I mean, there's no, he, can't, he can't drag them to hell anymore, so why not just leave them alone? Because you are the ambassador of Christ. And if he can stain your testimony, he can keep other people from coming to know dad. <laughs> John 10, 10 through 11 says, the thief comes only, only, only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Papa, Abba, Dad came that we might have life and have it abundantly. And I love this statement. He goes, I'm that guy. I am the good shepherd. Which ties into the series we'll be starting up next Sunday on the book of Jude entitled Wolves. Wolves. Okay? So I encourage you to be a part. It's a three-part series on the book of Jude. Jude is a very short book, okay? But we're going to be studying that. All right, go back to that slide. To close this series down. (laughs) See, I told you I like to promote stuff. All right, uh, (laughs) make a logo. What would it look like if we saw ourselves that way? I, I think we'd be happier. I think we would, if, if not happy all the time, which Jesus wasn't happy all the time, we would have joy. Um, we wouldn't be as manipulated. That's for sure. And I think, I think we'd find our lives having a little bit more purpose to it. A lot, a lot, lot more purpose to it. So, as you leave today, walk out of here in full confidence. Now, I'm going to say something here. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're still awesome. I said it. (laughs) If you're not a Christian today, you're still awesome. God God has wired you awesome. He just wants to pull everything out of you, and he wants to get you to heaven. He wants you to enjoy the life that he's given you in the full uh, exposure to the Son of God. But you're still awesome. You're, you're, you're beautiful. As you walk out of this today, I want you to live in confidence knowing that God loves you. He loves you. and He wants, he wants you to thrive. He came that you might have life and have it abundantly. He didn't come to steal, kill, and destroy. He came that you might have life. That's who he is. So think about yourself that way this week. And here's the, here's the catch. Don't just think about it that way like when you're like thinking about it. We talked a lot of this weekend about thinking about your thoughts. <laughs> like, I'm never going to that rare retreat. Oh, no. Um, we just, you know, but here's the thing. Just don't, just in, in the moments where you're just kind of like contemplating, that's great. Think about it then. But I want you to take your thoughts captive this week as the enemy tries to, you know, wound you till you're dead, I'd say, no, 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 no. Take that thought captive and say, no, nope, nope, 
a child of God. I'm important. God loves me. I don't need to prove myself to you. I'm going to walk in it. And here's the last thing I'm going to say, because I would be remiss if I didn't say it. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for you. He wants you to be part of the family so that you can do all the things in its full weight of the glory of God that you were wired to do. And if you've never done that today, I wanna, I'm going to stay up here at the altar here, and just sit down here. If that's something that you would like to do today and walk out these doors assured that your destiny, that you are not just dust, you're dust with a destiny, and that you're eternally uh, on the road to heaven, I would, love, I would be honored to pray that prayer with you. Lord, thank you for my brothers and sisters today. You are way better than we give you credit for. You're so good. And it was such a joy this morning to, to join with my brothers and sisters in worship to you today, God. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would let your Holy Spirit wash over us today and, and confirm who we are to you so that we can live it out. So we can actually agree with you and think of ourselves in light of the objective truth of God's word. And Lord, we're going to go through ups and downs and our feelings and our circumstances are going to change. But Lord, your word remains the same. So we stand on the firm foundation of the word of God and the love that God so generously bestowed on us through the person of Jesus Christ. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless. Have an amazing week. Thanks for listening. To learn more about New Life Church, check out our website at discovernewlife.org.